Hi, and welcome to the Internet Marketing Show that gives you, amongst other things, simple, proven, and practical steps to build your very own successful online business. Here's your host, the village marketer himself, Peter Beckenham. Hello there, and welcome to Session 11 of Great Communication Secrets. And this one's all about selling from the stage. Hey, it's Peter Beckett in the Village Marketer and I'm excited because in this session I'm going to share with you what two of my mentors, Pete Vargas and Pat Quinn, taught me about selling from the stage. Now, as we covered in previous sessions, there are stages or locations or whatever it may be where you can't make an offer. But today, our focus is on how you can make an offer and sell from the stage. So in this session, we want to accomplish how do you craft the back end of your signature talk when you can make an offer, when you can actually make a sale. And this is absolutely essential because so many people just say, I'm going to get to my offer part and I'm just going to wing it. But this is also the part of the presentation where you're going to get nervous. This is the part of the presentation that you're going to start showing some tendencies not to be the best speaker in the world. Because not only are you getting a bit nervous, but you also can probably sense in the audience that they're thinking, hey, what's going on? There's some scepticism, etc. And if you're getting nervous, then you've got to be better prepared. And you want to be ready for the most effective way to do it. So here is what I want you to know. Okay, if you get this bit right, the nerves all go, the audience still is there, there's not so much scepticism and you can make the sale from the stage. One thing, key, key point, nothing changes with the structure of your talk. Okay, nothing at all changes with the structure of your signature talk presentation. You're still starting the talk with your heart story and you're doing the content part as well. The main thing that shifts when you're making an offer, when you're selling, is the call to action. And so what you're not doing is you're not collecting people's names by giving away something for free. Because when you ask for something for free and then you also make an offer, it's completely confusing to the audience. You completely remove the free offer and the giveaway. You see, it's quite logical. If you give the audience a choice, they're going to choose a free one, right? And just try you out for a little bit. So then you don't get the sale. You want to remove that option and you say, this is the path of success for you. Now, a great presentation with an offer is like a footpath or a sidewalk, whatever you want to call it. And it walks them right down the footpath with no off-ramps right into your offer. So the call to action is what shifts, okay? It's the only thing that shifts in your presentation and this is how we do it. So just let me walk you step by step on what needs to happen in your presentation when you can actually formally make an offer. So the very first piece is that you want to ask a question because people begin to get a little nervous whenever they're making an offer and they start stepping back and they start leaning back and they get they show they're nervous. There's no doubt about that. Please don't do this. Keep standing forward and show how confident you are. 
if you show your confidence, then they'll have confidence in what you're offering. And by the way, up until this point, you've done a lot of things where they're wanting to know how they can work with you. And the great thing about this particular training session is that you've already done most of the work. And so now be confident, for goodness sake, as your audience is thinking, how can I work with you? How can I work with that person? So the first thing you want to do is ask a question. Be aware that the most dangerous part of your presentation, where things should go belly up for you, is the transition from your content to your offer. That's where people get all fidgety, and so they try to have scripted and memorised and all this sort of stuff, right? Don't do this. Don't try and memorise it. Don't try and script it. That usually doesn't work, and it doesn't look natural anyway. But you should memorise this one question. It's called a transition question. My transition question is this. One of the most common questions people ask me is, Hey Peter, how can we engage with you further? How can we work with you more? Is there any way that you can do for us, like on an individual basis, that you've just done on stage in front of all of these people? That's the question that people ask me. And really, that, by the way, that question leads directly to my sales coaching offer. So, I simply say, in answer to that type of question, well, yes, as a matter of fact, I do have a workshop you can come to, or whatever your offer happens to be. Simply ask a question similar to what I use, or make up your own that leads right into your offer, using words that fit your personality, okay? Your call to action comes after your content. So when you finish up with your content, you know, now all I have to do is ask that question. Many people ask, is there a way we can work with you further, Peter? Or, what's the best first step? Or, what's the next step for us? Or, what do we do now? And these all lead right into your offer. Or you could say, I would love to have your permission to show you how I could help you to do this faster, better, quicker, cheaper, whatever it is. Is that okay? Do I have your permission to show you just a little bit about what I can do for you to solve that problem even more? And I'm telling you, whether you're online or offline, you're hearing people say, yes, please tell us, yes, yes, please. Because of how you crafted your entire presentation that led up to that point. That's what enables this to happen. So the second thing you do is that you talk about your core offer. What is your core offer that solves that problem that they have? How do you want them to work with you? Or how do you want them to engage with you when you leave the stage? So you talk about the features and the benefits of your core offer. That's the second thing you need to do. The third thing you need to do is to add some bonuses for taking action. I mean, you could add different things like a ticket to a live event or you can add a bunch of different things as bonuses. I mean, bonuses work. It's just something that happens in your mind when you're getting just a little bit more extras. I mean, it works. People enjoy the fact they're getting a bit more value for their money. 
but it's important that the bonuses that you choose don't make the process seem more difficult to your audience, to your potential client. Remember, what people will pay for is faster or easier, etc. And if the bonuses make them to go through hard and painful processes, then the bonuses will actually hurt you and probably destroy your efforts to try and sell something. So keep your bonuses simple and keep them supportive of your offer in a very simple way. Now, three bonuses are ideal, if at all possible. That's enough. Psychologically, they just make people want to take action. And so that's what you do next in the process. So be thinking about what are your bonuses, and then this is where it gets really clever. You go back to price juxtaposition. Now you're probably saying, hey Peter, what in the heck are you talking about? Well, it's best to have all this on a slide presentation, obviously, right? And the first price juxtaposition that you show is the core offer and all of the bonuses on one slide with the total value that they represent, all right? Now, you haven't revealed any price yet. You've simply revealed what the value is in your core offer and all the bonuses. This is the first price juxtaposition. And then the second price juxtaposition follows right after that. This is where you show them this is what it would be if you worked with me one-on-one. You show two or three ways that people have worked with you where it costs a significant amount. So you show how people have invested, for example, X thousands of dollars or hundreds of dollars in your business. So you're then setting them up to say, oh man, I can't afford that. That's too much. Not only can you not afford it, but you're also using a psychological technique that Robert Cialdini Research called anchor pricing. Now, anchor pricing is to name a really high price before you list the actual price. And the amazing thing is, what the human brain actually does is anchor on that high price so that when you do come out with the actual price of your program or your offer, whatever it is, it just seems so much less. So it works both ways. It works that I could never afford you privately, but it also anchors them at a high price, which is, in comparison, going to make the real price seem so much lower. So those are the back-to-back price juxtapositions that you can do. I hope that makes sense because right after that, you then do the price reveal. So it's the price reveal that's the special that you're running on that day. In other words, you bring back up the slide that has a total value, but now it's all crossed off. The values are all crossed off. And it's showing what the promotion price is for this conference or this particular event. And all of a sudden it's like, wow, it's nowhere near the price I just saw before. And as there will be some anxiety in the room, when they see the value price and then you cross it off, and then they see the real price and you cross that off, then they see today's special promotion price. It's like saying, wow, that's the value of X we're getting for Y, right? It means instead of paying $30,000, we are going to get it for $8,000. Or instead of paying $100, we are getting it for $7. 
I mean, it makes it a no-brainer when you can offer a special on-the-day price. Now, you can even have people cross off the initial value price and cross off the the value its price and put in the new price there. You can do that if you want. And and if you do that, you can have evergreen order forms. Okay, In other words, people are crossing out the juxtaposition of prices until they get to the special one that you are offering on that day. And by physically writing it on the card, it's got a psychological impact on them. And it also, as I said before, you can have these order forms and use it time after time. They're evergreen. So the order form can be used at any event that you're at. And the audience can simply cross off the value price and use the specific special price you may be offering on that particular occasion. And you can even say to your audience, scratch off that price and here's actually what this conference price is going to cost you. So right after that, now this is where we're beginning to wrap up. You've now price revealed, right? Now what is important is for them to see the cost of inaction. Okay, they've got the differences in the price, but now what about the cost of inaction? The cost of inaction is important and you need to have some type of cost of inaction. One of the things I see many people do is they say, you have two choices here. You can do all this on your own or you can do it with me and my team and move really fast. Regardless, I've given you the entire system on what it takes. I've laid everything out for you. I've held nothing back. So you can do it on your own or you can do it with somebody else. And then you could show the actual quote of somebody who actually did choose to do it with you and said what they got done in a couple of days would have taken him six weeks, six months or 12 months to do on his own because of the fact. And this is cost in action. So the audience can see that slide and that's how you can do it. But there are a few other things that you can do in a cost of inaction as well. For example... What you'd like to do here is tell an anecdotal story about somebody who chose inaction, who chose to try and do it by themselves. And then they came back to you six months or 12 months later and actually signed up for your program. And what they said afterwards is, wow, in my case, you know, we left a lot of money on the table. Or they might say, I wish I would have done this with you six months ago. Or I can't believe I didn't do this a year ago with you. I mean, it's really quite dramatic. You could also do it as a testimonial with someone's actual name. So rather than do it anecdotally, you can do it using a testimony of someone who did it and said how fast it went, how quick, how good it was, or whatever the key point is you're making to the audience. What you're doing is you're making sure the audience realises there is a cost of doing nothing. Another piece that's important as you're doing this cost of inaction piece is helping them think past the sale. You talk about ways you do that and I give an example of how you do that. You've got to get them picturing after they've gone through the buying process what it will be like with them. What would life be like for them? What would their experiences be like? So picture a time when you go back to the back of the room after your signature talk presentation and people are rushing to the back of the room to buy whatever you're selling. 
when you walk off the stage and people run up and start asking you, can we engage with you further? And the orders are coming in every single week because the presentations you're giving. I mean, that's pretty good, right? But to achieve this type of dramatic reaction, you've got to get your audience picturing what things will be like after they've been through your process. What is life going to be like for them? How is their experiences going to be different after that? What will it really feel like when they do business with you? So getting them to picture their future after using your offer is very powerful, that's for sure. And here's another way to help them think past the actual purchase. Actually illustrate the ROI, the return on investment, in whatever your offer may be. For example, if you were a lead generation coach, ask them, what if you were in front of 50 people, okay, and you collected 40 of their names, and you landed four new clients out of that 40? What would those four new clients be worth to you and your business? Now you're helping them see past the sale on how it can benefit them and their business. And you illustrate that by an exact example. And so this is not just the cost of inaction, but helping them see past the sale. Can you see where I'm going? The last few things you can do, and I want you to know that the very last piece is the most important piece. But the last couple of things you can do is to help them understand you want them to reduce the risk. So you give a money-back guarantee. You are so confident in what you offer, you're okay with a money-back guarantee. It's nothing fancy that you could offer, for example, a 30-day money-back guarantee. But that's an option that you can decide. And the last piece is the urgency. You can call it time urgency and maybe a limit of the number of bonuses if action is not taken. So what you can do is have a time-based urgency. For example, this promotion and all these special bonuses are only here while we're at this conference. But don't lie about this or your credibility will be shot to pieces, right? I mean, you can even offer an extra special bonus to the first 5, 10, 20 or 30 people who take action. And these first 5, 10 or 20, whoever it is, okay, will actually get one extra bonus and make this extra bonus very special and of high perceived value because that gets people moving to take action quickly. When using urgency things, make sure there are two things to consider. One, make sure that your limit to urgency is authentic. Don't say, I'm having an online course and there are only five spots because people know it's only an online course and that's rubbish. If six people signed up, wouldn't you take the sixth person? Of course you would. So you've got to make it sound authentic. And then here's the big tip I want to give you on the urgency offers because sometimes this is where people might say you sound a little bit salesy. Urgency offers work but they work best when you talk about why it's important that you act now. So one thing that you should say when you get to the urgency part of your offer is, I know that it's human nature to put this off. I know it's human nature to say, I'm going to wait until I'm ready, or I'm going to wait until I'm not busy. Well, here's the deal. You're never going to be not busy. Just tell it to them straight. 
So to help you take action, and the reason I want to help you take action is because I know my program will improve your life. I know my program will improve your business. And because I'm so confident in that, I want you to do it right now. I want to do what's best for you and help you take action right away. Now I'm adding urgency as a favour to you. I'm adding urgency because I know it will help you. I'm not doing it as a gimmick. You're doing it because it helps them, because you're confident in the results of your program and you know that human nature is to put things off. We all do that, right? And so to help you make the right decision today, here's a special offer that's only good while we're at this conference today. This is what makes people feel like they're never actually being sold. Everything leading up to this point already has them asking the question, how can I work with you, right? That's what we spend all the time on. Then this is just 7 to 10 minutes of finishing things up. Now here is how you should end. You should never, ever, ever end with just the sale. That's not what you end with. You end with the heart story. You close the whole loop on some type of story or some type of closing heart we talked about in previous sessions. This is driving home everything that you taught. And yes, even though it will help you with the sales side, it's not intended to drive home the sales piece. It's intended to drive home the presentation that you taught them and the byproduct of that is that people will be back to you as a human connection and also will appreciate more the opportunity of becoming a client of yours. So that's why we like to end with a closing heart, not a sale. And again, why? Remember I mentioned previously, there are two types of buyers in your audience. There are tactical buyers and there are emotional buyers. And if you only do the offer, laid it all out with all the steps, in the end with the various price, etc., then sure, the tactical buyers, they will love it. The emotional buyers will not move. And so you, if you want to get everybody in the room to take advantage of your offer, you want to finish with that emotional story. And the second reason it works is because it reminds people of your why when you do your emotional story. And they have to know your why if they're going to buy from you and if they've bought for you to feel satisfied with you and there's no buyer's remorse. So finishing with that closing emotional story will remind them of your why at the very moment they're going to make the buying decision. This short training right here is exactly how you can sell from the stage. Now I want to give you one action step here. Go step by step through the process. Fill out the worksheet and then you can stand up and try saying it and you'll see that people are wanting to engage with you after the presentation. But remember, you've got to practice and practice and practice. All right? Okay. Our next session, which is the last in our series, we're going to look at the story makeup for you, a wrap-up of your story. So I look forward to talking to you then. Thanks so much for listening to the Internet Marketing Gunner Show with your host, the village marketer himself, Peter Beckenham. For more great content, go online, peterbeckenham.com. We'll catch you next time.